0: Well, good morning. Uh, For those of you that may not know me, my name is John Schultz, and I have the honor of serving as associate pastor here at Fort Caroline. Uh, I also want to say to those of you that are here for the first time that you're an honored guest, and we are so thankful. Uh, The places that you could have been on a Sunday morning, you chose to be here, and uh, we want to not only say uh, thanks for being here, but we hope that your time here is a good one. If you have an opportunity, you can fill out the Let's Connect card and just share with us a little bit about your time here. You can do that either in the chair pocket in front of you or you can use your phone. You can go to fcbc.life and fill out the Let's Connect and email it to us or whatever you choose to do. And if you choose not to, uh, that's okay as well because we are glad you're here. Uh, This is a fabulous place with great people, and I'm so thankful that you're here today with us. If you're like me, uh, I, uh, I came to church on a regular basis around Easter and around Christmas and maybe some special events. Uh, that was my life and, uh, and that may be where you are and you don't have this Jesus thing all figured out and you're not really certain that the Bible is what God says it is yet and that's okay. Uh, you're in a safe place <laughs> because none of us in this place have it all figured out. None of us do. So I'm glad you chose to be here with us today. Today's message is one that I've been struggling with for some time personally, and maybe you have as well, because when I think about the topic of prayer and fasting, especially in the area of fasting, we probably think about fasting more, something that we do in preparation maybe for a medical test, or maybe you're fasting to lose weight, or you're fasting from social media, or you're fasting from something. Maybe you're fasting from chocolate. <laughs> no, I don't know. But biblical fasting is something that aligns with that, but is very different. Because biblical fasting really, in your heart, the reason that you would be fasting... Uh, biblically, is to have a closer relationship with Jesus, or and or to be able to go through something or two. There's a stronghold maybe in your life that you need God's power to be able to break free from. You know, I fasted personally uh, several times, and every one of those times when I entered into that fast for the right reason. God, it was just a fabulous encounter with God personally, with me and my closeness with the Lord, the strength that I got from that to be able to get through something. And if this topic is new for you, you're in the right place. This is a good time to be here because biblical fasting is something that we see both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. If You look at the Old Testament, you see it very clearly, People, God calling leaders to call the nation Uh, to a national fast uh, and individuals fasting. In fact, we see that Moses was fasted and he he was with the Lord for 40 days. We see Jesus is the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry. He fasted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, we're not calling you to fast for 40 days and 40 nights at this point. (laughs) So don't walk out yet. (laughs) But I believe that what we miss is we think that fasting is covered under the old covenant and no longer applies to us. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, said, and when you fast. In fact, he didn't say not to fast. What he was being critical of was how the leaders were fasting, how the spiritual leaders were fasting. They were bringing attention more on themselves than they were on the Lord. In Acts chapter 13, when Barnabas and Paul were set apart, the leaders fasted and prayed for direction, and they set them apart. In Acts chapter 14, we see Paul and Barnabas establishing leaders in the church. And what do they do before they select them? They pray and they fast to make sure that they have God's right people that they're going to select to be able to to change the world as newer church leaders, in in a writing called the Didact, which is written probably around the 2nd century A.D., one of the largest collections of of, uh, directions for the early church movement to be able to provide direction in the area of the Lord's Supper and baptism and a variety of things. In there, before someone was baptized, the Didact directed individuals to fast for a week prior to the point of them being baptized. In fact, in there, the normal practice that they had was they fasted and prayed twice a week. Now, I don't want you to fall into the rut of the routine and think that if I fast and pray twice a week, God's going to do this for me. Because I think that's entering it into, into it with a real wrong understanding. Because the reason that we fast, we, we're not looking to gain something by giving something. We're looking to draw closer to God by putting off the physical and putting on more of the spiritual. The reason I believe that God is leading me personally here is because I don't know about you. I do know about me. And there are many times I can go through the motions of my spiritual life and it feels like I'm running on fumes. I I can be in a worship service, I can have a Bible study or read my Bible or study it, and it's not long at all until I feel empty or depleted spiritually. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but I have. Folks, I just don't want to live on that kind of a walk anymore. I believe that prayer and fasting unlocks the reality and the possibilities of what God really wants to do through His people and through His church. You know, years ago, um, we had a person that was one of our bus drivers, and he headed out of here with a group of senior adults to go down to Lake Yale to a conference. They headed out, and I don't know if it was a blue or green bus. We used to have two of them, and headed out. They stopped about halfway down, and they, got, they loaded up with food, and everybody got something to eat, and they filled up the, the bus with fuel, and off they went, and they got a little ways down the road, and the bus started to sputter, and eventually stopped and wouldn't start again. The tank read full, but the problem was, it's a diesel bus, and he filled it with gasoline. Wow. I remember that. (laughs) A diesel engine won't run on gasoline. How could they? What do they have to do? They had to empty the tank, get rid of all of the gasoline. They had to completely clean the system out so it could run again on the fuel it was designed to run on. And I wonder sometimes if we don't load ourselves up spiritually with fuel that we are running kind of half speed on. And what God wants us to do, maybe is to empty ourselves out before him in times of prayer and fasting and say, God, what is it that you want? God, what do you want with my life? God, what is it that you want with me? And I know the first thing that God wants, he wants you. He doesn't want a part of you, he wants you. He wants all of you. He wants every part of you. He doesn't want you to hold back on anything. And that's kind of a scary place, isn't it? It is for me. I mean, I serve vocationally in ministry, but it's a scary thing for me to surrender completely and say, God, I am tired of living a marginal Christian existence. I want more of you. I want you to have more of me. Because you see, we can fall into this rut, and and it's easy to fall in, it's tough to get out, but one of the ways out is through times of prayer and fasting, and maybe you're at a place physically, your physical health would prevent you from completely fasting, because there are so many ways to be able to fast, and not only completely withdraw from food and and those kinds of things, and we're going to provide you a little instruction, we'll talk about that at the end of our time together, But, but what I tell you is, come along with me on the journey, come along with us on the journey. And allow God to have His way in you. Is there a stronghold maybe in your life that you've tried a variety of things and you say, man, I just haven't had any victory. What have you got to lose? Is there something that's holding you back from following God in this particular area or another area? Why don't you try it? What have you got to lose? Isaiah chapter 58 is where we're going to be today. And if you have a Bible, there's one in the chair in front of you underneath, or maybe you open your device or whatever. Uh, Isaiah 58, uh, because Isaiah 58 is one of those chapters in the Old Testament that God gave Isaiah uh, some clear instruction on the area of fasting, that he wasn't happy with the way that the nation of Israel prepared themselves for worship. And God provided some clear instruction on how he wanted them to enter into that time. And I think it's good for us because I believe that fasting is not about the uh, the absence or the putting aside of something physical only. It's about putting on the spiritual. So Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1, it says, cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my way. It says, as if, now that's a, these are very important phrases, as if they were a nation that did righteousness. What, what is he saying here? They're not a nation that does righteousness, but they're going through the motions as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments and they delight to draw near to God. If you have notes or you're taking notes in either the the FCBC.life sermon notes app or whatever you're doing, I'd like you to write down the word comfortable. Comfortable. Because that's where the people were. They were comfortable. They they knew the rituals. They knew what they needed to do. It's getting ready for the... The Day of Atonement, so we need to do this, and you need to do that, and, and we do this for so many days, and then we do that for so many days, and they've gotten comfortable. I think it's too easy for us to get comfortable. As believers, we can get so comfortable, we almost forget why we're here. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. And it's about all of those around this community and around this area and around this globe that do not yet know him. It's all about them. Everything that we do here is about him. And I believe that the nation of Israel had gotten comfortable. Outwardly, they seemed eager to know what God wanted, to draw near to God. But inwardly, the ritual had replaced the relationship. And folks, that can happen just so easy in our lives. We just go through the motions. We're here on Sunday. You see, these folks would not have struggled with attendance. (laughs) They would have been in a worship service or a worship setting or whatever on a regular basis. Oh, I understand it's different. Our culture and our context is different than what they ran into. But here we see of them, they delight to know my ways uh, as if they were a nation that sought after me. They, they ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. They were good, if, if we take it into today's context, they were good church people. Moral people, ethical people, just good church people. They had the outside veneer that they cinched up real tight when they came to church. And and when they got out of the car, everybody was nice. And if they had children, they were all following along. Yes, father. Yes, mother. And they went and they checked in and they went into their room. But when they got in the car, they fought because the outside and the inside weren't matching. And God says, I see you. I see you. You're comfortable. I don't think God saved us and and, um, causes us to grow and causes us to spiritually mature for us to be comfortable. If I were to take you to a variety of places, not only that I've been, but some of you have been, and places I've never been, but they're countries, that if we were to do what we were doing today in their setting, you would not leave this place and feel safe. They're not comfortable people. They're not comfortable where they are. There's an event coming. It's called Secret Church. David Platt, who who, uh, has been instrumental in causing believers to think another way, to think like people that are in countries that are persecuted, where if you carry a Bible with you, you may not make it home, not because you've done anything wrong. It's because you believe in Jesus, and we hate you because you believe in him. Those people are not comfortable at all but christianity and faith in jesus and outward demonstrations of an internal faith are rocking growing through the roof why because they're not comfortable people they know that they could be killed today simply because they love jesus And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ today needs to get off of our comfortableness and feel a little uncomfortable. Uncomfortable that people are going to die today and spend eternity separated from God forever. Uncomfortable because we feel like it's not my job to have to reach someone else because they really don't want to listen to me anyway. And I think we can get too comfortable. And God was saying to the people here, you have all of the ritual down, but you're something that's missing. And they realized it as well. Look at the first part of verse 3 in Isaiah 58. In fact, they asked the question, why have we fasted and you not see it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Write down the word confused. (laughs) Confused. God, why are we here? In fact, they were asking, God, we're doing all this stuff for you. Why don't you see it? God, we've humbled ourselves. We've fasted. We've, we've set those things aside. Man, that should be good enough. God, why aren't you helping us? Why, why won't you help us to get through this, God? We just don't understand it. Your standards are too high. Why don't you see what we're doing for you, God? They were confused. They were confident and they were confused. They had the mindset that a little abstinence now of delaying something later should be good enough for God. We can fall in that rut. We can fall in there. Unfortunately, they, like too many people, confuse ritual with a relationship. Look at uh, 3b, the second half of verse 3 and all, of, all the way down through verse 5. Of Isaiah 58. It says, Behold, in the day of your fast. Now, this is, this is not good stuff. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers, terrible bosses. Why? Because they're fasting for the wrong reasons. Behold, you fast only to quarrel, to fight, and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours. This day will not make your voice to be heard on high. God says, you can pray all you want and you can fast all you want, but your motives are wrong and I'm not going to hear you. In fact, if we were to read on just a little bit further in Isaiah 59 too, he says, because of your iniquity, your sin has hidden God's face from you so that he will not hear you. Verse 5, is such the fast that I choose... A day for a person to humble himself, it's a question. Is it to bow down like a head, like a reed, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Their fasting and their praying was revealing their heart. You know, Jesus ran into this as well. Would you turn with me? We'll come back to Isaiah 58. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16? Jesus uh, ran into this when he said uh, to the Pharisees in the Sermon on the Mount, speaking of fasting, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. He's providing instruction here. Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Let me stop here for a second. Jesus said that when the people during this time, he was being critical to them, and he was saying, guys, when you fast, you don't, you don't do it in such a way so that secret to others. You walk around. What's wrong? Nothing golly, what's going on with you? Fasting for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus went on to say here that they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. And Jesus said, "Assuredly, I say to you, you have your reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He was condemning the outward ritual of fasting, and he was saying, this is something between you and me. This is something that you and I do together. And the reason you do it, man, woman, is to draw closer to me. And as you draw closer to me, I'm going to change you on the inside. You don't need to elevate the outside. Let's work on the inside first. So let's go back to Isaiah 58, because they struggled with this same thing. They 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 easily fell into, God, if I'm doing this for you, shouldn't that be good enough? God, if I'm if I'm fasting and I'm praying and I'm I'm here every week, or I'm here in a worship setting when I need to be in the annual time. Shouldn't that be good enough? You know, he's in the Navy for 20 years, and there's a phrase that, that came before then, but it's a phrase good enough for government work. <laughs> that normally meant that wasn't a high standard. A good enough standard is not what God wants. He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants everything you are. And when you give it to him through times of prayer and times of fasting, I think every one of us in this room would be amazed at the strongholds that you could break free of that are holding you right now. Now, you don't want to admit it, and I don't want to admit it, but every one of us in this place has a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit that you have tried to break on your own. You've prayed a little bit, or you've tried a couple things on your own. But maybe you've never tried this. Maybe you've never tried a period of time that you prayed and said, God, I am bankrupt before you. God, I don't want to move from here unless you cause me to move. God, God, I I need you. And you spend time in prayer and fasting. You you push aside the physical and you recognize your dependence on the spiritual. And you allow God to have his way and his meaning and his life through you. Look at verses 6 and 7. Because we got to ask the question, what, what are the outcomes to prayer and fasting? What, what does God do in us when we follow Him in a right way? Well, that's a good question. Verse 6 and 7. Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is not it is? Excuse me. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and to bring the homeless, poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Write down the word changed. Changed. Because you see what God wants in you and me. He wants us to be changed. Because the things that we put on ourselves and the things that we focus on too much in the world and things that we say have meaning and significance and time and finances ultimately don't mean anything when it comes to, am I changed? Am I changed in God's eyes? Fasting in the way that God would desire us. Look at this. Look what happens. Look back at verse 6. Loose the bonds of wickedness. Undo the straps of the yoke to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke, yoke of bondage, yoke that's holding you back. Do you have anything in your life that's holding you back and you say, man, I wish I could get rid of this. Man, I wish I could get rid of this anger problem or this this eating problem or this drinking problem or this, and you fill in the blank. Maybe just maybe, it could be that the problem that you're wrestling with, is Jesus real? Is the Bible real? What happens to me after I die? That could be the problem that you're struggling with, and I I can tell you that God wants you to know the answer to that. He really does. He wants you to know. He doesn't want you to run around in the dark. He doesn't want you to die in unbelief. He wants you to know. The question isn't does he want you to know. The question is, do you want to know? Do you really want to know? Because he wants you to. Will you seek after him with all your heart? Will you follow him on this journey I think that we're in? Because what we're going to ask you to do here in just a little bit, we're going to ask you to come along with us on a 21-day journey of prayer and fasting that begins tomorrow. You say, well, I've never done that before. Well, join the club. I've never done it for 21 days yet either, but I don't think that I don't think that it's something that's going to do something bad in me. I think I struggle with some things that I have left on the margins. I think I struggle with a comfortable Christian life. I don't think I I don't think I long for God, for the living God, as the psalmist says in Psalm 42. I don't think I long for The opportunities to be able to to share the gospel with those around us like I should. I don't. But I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to live a marginal Christian life. I don't believe that God saved us and called us to marginal existence. I think he's called us to, to live a Christian life that's greater than that, that trusts in him and says, God, I'm afraid of the future. I'm afraid of where this can lead. And God says, it's okay. It's okay. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. Don't worry about where this is going. Just trust me. Just trust me. Look as well how in verse, uh, in verse 7 it says, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring homeless? James connected faith and works together. And he said, If you say you have faith but you're not doing anything with it, it's a dead faith. There should be in our lives the desire to be able to be generous as much as we can with what we have to those who have a need. If you have a need, if you see someone that has a need and you can't meet it, don't beat yourself up about it. But if you see someone that has a need and you can do something about it, do something about it. Whatever you can do. Because I believe has changed people. God has called us to create change in the world as change agents. And I think fasting and prayer empowers you with the ability of saying, God, I didn't know that you were calling me to do this. I didn't know that this was the direction you wanted me to go. And all of a sudden the blinders are taken off, and God allows you to see his plan and his path, and it leads right to him. It's never about you, it's never about your desires or your wants or your cares or your preferences, it's about him. Because you know what he wants to do? He shares with us in verses 8 through 12. If you're doing this with the right heart, the right way, the right passion, look at verses 8 through 12. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be on your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, Here am I. If you take away the yoke from your midst, that's conditional clause here, right? If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, (laughs) the, the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom shall be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. And you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Write down the word restoration restoration. God is in the restoring business. And you see, if you and I stop being comfortable and and being confused about, God, why aren't you seeing this? Or why are you looking at me doing this? And, And we want really to be changed on the inside. God restores us to a right relationship with him and restores our focus on him. Not on what we want, but on what he wants. and what does he want? He wants people to love him supremely. And what has he chosen to do that? He's chosen you. He's chosen me. The problem is, is, we may not be listening clearly, or we may not think that it's our job, or we may not feel comfortable. Again, we're not called to feel comfortable. We're called to be obedient. We're called to follow. Because I believe that a disciple is someone that follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is being committed to Jesus' mission in the world. What's Jesus' mission in the world? It's all about other people. It's about other people not only knowing Jesus, but growing up in their faith and learning how to reproduce spiritually. That's what this is all about. Maybe you, like me, are tired of being comfortable. Maybe you're tired of feeling confused on why, why God, when I do this for you, don't do you do this. When those are the wrong questions, aren't they? When what you want to be, you want to be changed. You really want to be changed. There, there are people here today, I believe, that really, truly want to be changed on the inside. Why don't you let go? Let go of whatever's holding you back and allow God to have it. Allow Him, and the Spirit of God, to be the change agent in your life. You see, biblical fasting and prayer is less about what I give up and more about listening to God's voice and looking for God's heart. I have a couple items of homework every week. Don't you guys look forward to this? Every week, Ricky says, well, here's your homework. I got two pieces. Here's one. Take out your smartphone or your smart tablet or your smart device. or I don't know why we call it that. Where We struggle with them. They're not really, they're a lot smarter than we are. FCBC.life. I, yeah, go to FCBC.life. And I'm going to ask you to join us. Uh, swipe over to the 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Yeah, take out your phone now. And, and look, 21 days of prayer and fasting. What we've done is we've tried to create as easy of a platform as we can for all of us to, to enter into this journey. It is our hope and our prayer that we'll have many people that will not only join in this journey, but will see the power that God has available to all who will fast and pray for a period of time. And you may say, well, you know, my physical health won't let me pray, won't let me fast. Completely, and that's fine. There's guidance and instruction in here on how to do a partial fast and how to break yourself free from something that you really like in order to be able to to give that time up for the Lord. Maybe it's a lunch, maybe it's a breakfast, maybe it's once a day, maybe it's whatever. And there's guidance on how to be able to do that. And if you're like me, you're thinking, Man, everybody's trying to get through the door at once and you can't get the twenty-one days of prayer and fasting open. But what we will say to you is tomorrow. Tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow evening, wherever you choose, I'm going to start in the morning because I know me. If I don't put on the Lord in the morning, you don't like me by 10 o'clock. You probably don't like me anyway, but you certainly don't like me by 10 o'clock if I haven't put Jesus on early in the morning. And I'm going to begin tomorrow. I'm going to take this all the way through Easter Sunday morning because that's where it ends up. 21 days later, we're Easter Sunday morning. Would you come on that journey with us? Would you be willing to take a risk for God and allow Him to work through you in ways maybe that He never has or hasn't for a long time, but you say, God, I am tired. I am tired of living a marginal Christian existence. I want my life to count for Christ in a variety of ways. And I believe I'm powerless to be able to gain the victory over some things that are strongholds in my life, some hurts, hang-ups, and habits in my life. I'm powerless apart from you intervening and giving me strength to be able to do that. Prayer and fasting is much more about what I gain than what I give up. Here's the second part. All the way in the back on that bistro table, there are Easter invite cards that look just like this. As you pray and fast, say, God, who is it? God, who is it that you want me to invite to be my guest on Easter Sunday? Who is it? Lord, who could it be that you want me to invite? If you ask God, be prepared. He's going to tell you. He will tell you who it is. And you may know already who it is. You may want to take more than one of them. We've got a thousand all together, so don't take a thousand. But if you do, if you want to take a thousand and you send them all out, let us know and we'll order more. Prayer, fasting, and application. Will you join us? Will you join the journey? Are you willing to take a risk for God to allow yourself to get into that 21-day routine Saying, for the next 21 days, God, I want you to show up and show off in my life. I want to know more of you. I want to have more of you in my life. And God, I'm setting aside the physical in order that you and I may be closer and I may gain your heart and your power on some things that I'm dealing with right now. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to be able to look even briefly into your word. Lord, I can't speak for everyone here. I can only speak for me. I don't want this to be another program. Another thing that I do or that maybe that we do and then we claim the victory. God, I want this to be about you. God, I want to know more of you. I want to desire you more than I do anything else. I want my life to be more of your life in me and through me. Lord, I I just know that there are so many times that the outside and the inside don't, don't match, and I don't want that anymore. So help me and help us to be obedient as you're leading us to do over these next 21 days help us to invite people that you've laid on our heart to do and to invite so god we come to you now and pray that you would strengthen us i pray for that person that may be here for the first time they're really contemplating the truth of what you say about yourself and your word. And Jesus, we know you're here. And I pray that you'd help that person understand a little bit more today, maybe than they did in walking in here. And I pray, God, that we would have made people feel welcome and special and comfortable. Not too comfortable, but special. Thank you again, God, for what you do. Thank you for leading us in the paths of righteousness. For your name's sake. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.